1: test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family
0: no purchase necessary vgw group void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply dear gas prices go take a hike toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years the Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected, plush premium interiors, and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So now you know who you're talking to, Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years, with a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, deer gas prices, do you really think you could stand in our way? Think again, Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Based on manufacturer estimates, CY 2000 through 2021 sales.
2: Welcome back into another edition of the Kickabout here on the Blue Room. I'm your host Rob vera joined by Mark Mosey as we continue to suffer for, through the interminable uh internet, you know, I don't know. I don't know. What is this? Just boredom it's- of the international break, the yeah. How many internet Is this what the 6th international break in the first 10 games of the season or something, Mark? I've lost track.
3: Well, it- it always it always feels this way at the start of the season, doesn't it? Like I, I think yeah. we play, we play two or three games of football, and then it's absolutely essential. To let England play Andorra at that point, which
2: oh um, yeah, and San Marino. Let's let's make yeah. sure we can beat San Marino, a, a, I think a the, country no one has ever heard of, unless the within the context figure. of playing England in a friendly, and that's about it.
3: Yeah, like the the Andorra San Marino biannual switch that we we seem to do, but like it's some form of rite of passage for people like Tyrone Mings to get some caps and possibly an international goal. It's just uh, <laughs> crazy. I mean, I think England England probably stole the limelight more than most, Rob, for, for, for the plain, simple, obvious of the fact that we played a game of park football against some a best semi-amateur professional footballers and it? it was just oh my god yeah. it, it, even even surely for the, the most hardened England fans it was a it was a tough watch but yeah as, as you rightly said this is this is very much the upside down of the football season isn't it just that yeah. that, that last of of the quick bunch of international breaks and I think the the only major salvation we can all take from this is definitely not the fact that we have Man City on Sunday, but more so the fact that we don't have to go through this for another four months. I think of of lack of international football. Um, I know that you know when 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 there's an actual point of these games, like we we've, we're going to obviously have the uh, the World Cup qualification playoffs. Um, which we always feel like a little bit more important because they're kind of global affairs. You 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 will, mm. I don't know, Wales will play Uruguay or however the hell it works, and all of a sudden there seems a point to it. Major tournaments, they're fantastic, and we all absolutely love them. But the, the the trial of getting there doesn't always feel like it's it's totally worth it. And so I think no. halfway through that San Marino game in the in the week, I think. Awesome Wenger and his mad plan for a World Cup every fortnight probably started gathering a little bit more pace with people because it's it's something that is it, it's quite quite teasingly funny to watch every now and again, but after Harry yeah. Kane's 75th goal of the match, then it's it's hard to it's hard to properly engage, isn't it? Well, look, I,
2: I I've said several times that um, look, I mean it's weird it's weird being on a podcast that is so linked to a to the sport of football and yet mark i I hate football I really do like I hate your, I hate the sport more with every passing moment I feel it deep in my bones and you know what it is it's not the sport itself because this the, the actual game itself is it, it's still something that can be so incredible yeah but the people running, it's, it's sort of like talking about, uh, it's sort of like talking about religion almost, you know, it's not the, it it may not be the religion itself. It's the practitioners and those who, you know, who, who, you know, collect all the money and, uh, you know, uh, you know, molest the underage children who ruin it for everyone else. I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's just, this sport is it finds ways constantly to, Turn fans off. I, I I can never get past that. Like I, it, no one. I'm sorry. Like you, you can't tell me that England beating San Marino ten nil was it ten nil? Was that the final score? Yeah. yeah. Like that, that that you can't look at me with a straight face and say this was a, this was a critical step in the process of figuring out. Who qualifies for the World Cup finals and determines the best uh, best side on Earth? I mean, give give me a break. I mean, San Marino. I mean, sure, Everton would have probably gotten a scruffy draw, you know, two two draw out of San Marino. I get it, but I, I just I I don't understand it. I I am, you know, I, I'm the, the the constant international breaks, uh, and maybe maybe I'm I'm telling them myself here a little mark because. Um, you know, we got on today and, and, and um, of course, we talked about this week's episode, you know, well in advance, which for us is a few hours oh, before yeah. we actually started recording and said, we're going to record today? Yeah, let's record today. And, and I'm trying to come up with different ideas and all these things, because really, I don't know that I have a ton to add on the Everton analysis since last week when they also weren't playing either. So I just, uh, you know, I, there's, you know, Dom Dom Dom's dress gate thing didn't uh, didn't keep everyone's attention for that long, and then uh, and then it's just it's just a, a, a gaping chasm of nothingness constantly with these international breaks, and so now I'm I'm just kind of you know I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, it's Wednesday. I got what two days till a press conference so we find out who's playing and who's not so that we can go I mean they're going to lose to city probably by three goals and it's just I don't know it's it's all really dumb um but anyway I I, I digress because I I can't mark I, I can't talk about international football on my podcast I, I just yeah. can't I I don't have it in me to, to talk about it too much it, it kills me
3: The yeah, but an issue Rob is that it's. I think it's the nature of the game that's coming up, isn't it? Is that or, ordinarily that is quite a hard fixture to get yourself up for? Uh, and I know yeah. that I know that you shouldn't feel like that as a as a, a Premier League football fan of any team, but it's just um, it's just the slow march to the inevitable with with City away. You feel, isn't it? And do you know what we 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 of course all pray that it's not like that. But no, I, yeah, sure. The the silence coming out of the clubs feels very. I, it, it's obviously not intentional. There's just clearly nothing going on, but you know, on. It, it feels as though it's just symbolic of everyone's kind of attitude towards football in general, probably, and I think game, games like what we saw in, in the week probably don't do anything to help that. I bet you there's fans of other football teams on the back of having watched such a, a procession that are just kind of like, well, do you know what? It, it's hard to it's hard to motivate yourself for the next game of... Be it England international football, be it your own team, and I think it, as a football fan, you probably watch games on the TV, and you, you subconsciously take that energy into into your enthusiasm for your own team and for the sport in general. And I think yeah. it, it was it was very hard to to drag anything out of that, really, wasn't it? But
2: yeah. yeah, well, and maybe what I'm discovering, and this isn't like a new discovery, Mark. I think this has just always been the case with me, and and I. I think I'm in the minority by a long stretch because I am, I'm a pretty, I'm so narrowly focused in terms of my fandom, yeah. whereas other people and like, a lot of dude like a lot of other American dudes who are into this sport, and sorry, men, women, whomever. I, I just I'm thinking of generic soccer dude. <laughs> sorry, uh <laughs> over on this this side of the ocean who are into into let's say a Premier League side, right? They are probably for them, they probably got into the sport because of international football. And then yeah. So therefore it continues to remain a huge part of, 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 you know, of their experience. So that's why, and, and even amongst, I mean, there are now a handful of, of like American Everton uh, podcasts and, and uh, personalities and people who are part of this discussion. And, you know, that's, that's all well and good. They all know so much more about the U S men's national team. I, I can't name I can name two players on the US team. And really? I can name way more on the England team, which is sad. And the yeah. only reason I can name them on the England team is because they're such a discussion, a constant, you know, discussion. Uh, mm. if you are consuming Premier League content about who is on the England team at any given time. I mean shit, man. I could I can name more Players on the French team, I can name more players on the uh, Spanish or the Portuguese team than I can the US team because my focus is so on the Premier League. And really, if I'm being even more honest, it's so Everton focused that I, I I know I would fail a lot of quizzes on on, on some other aspects of, of the league, even though, I mean, I know the all I need, I know everything I need to know about the league, Mark, which is that it is stacked at the top. The rules are set up for the same six to seven, you know, sides to win everything. And really it's, that's just kind of, I've sort of begrudgingly accepted that that's part and parcel of the experience, but asking me to invest in, you know, a late night USA, Jamaica game. I, I I don't care. I mean, I heard that, you know what I heard about that? They played last night, I think. And, uh, or the night before it doesn't matter. Um, They've already qualified, I think, but they uh, they they got uh, they gave up a late equalizer to Mikel Antonio, uh, who plays for Jamaica, whose name I only know because of West and because of West Ham, and really I can name. I can name more West Ham players than I can name U S men's national team players. I'm a, I'm a bad American, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm a bad American. I'm a bad American following this sport. And I, I'm, I'm bitter. And yet I, I feel, and I think that that keeps me from wanting to consume more of it because international football is out of control. This process to qualify for the world cup should not take four years between every tournament. It should not take, five interruptions to the season in the first like third of the season like it's just and, and this talk of having a World Cup every two years that you alluded to before, I know that that's gained some traction this notion of I know the Premier League came out with some statement saying we're against this um, because you know the Premier League knows how to really stand up for things that matter to them. Uh, we're against what? the the notion of uh, these international because they want to make the international breaks longer. Like they want to make them longer, and they already I've never seen a two week period that feels like a month like an international break in football. And so I just I don't know. I, is this just the same mark, is this just the same old bitching about international breaks or or it I may be, but i i I just I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of it. let's just let's get the city game out of the way and get the season huh. going again.. <laughs>
3: Totally missed this point during the week, but I, I saw people mentioning it today. And you know how relevant it was, was something that you've just kind of alluded to there in terms of the Premier League selectively punishing things and the Football League in general selectively punishing uh, teams for things. But did you see the um, Derby County deducted points for financial irregularities? Um, and all Yeah, of their un- well, but that's just their- punishing the
2: fans, Mark. That's just punishing oh. the fans. I can't believe they
3: did it. We we won't go into that enormous minefield of, <laughs> of connotations and related to the Super League, but it, I think it was always going to be interesting, wasn't it, when, when the first very similar scenario to teams that we'd seen prior to the Super League, so we've obviously seen teams like Luton and QPR. They've all been down this path of... Just not spending money in the correct way at all, to put it mildly. Derby right. County very much fallen into this, but are, are probably the first example beyond all of the "let's not punish the fans for things" arguments. Um, it this has probably gained a hell of a lot more traction purely for that fact, and and the the memories of the Super League are are so fresh in the mind. I mean, th- this seems like a, a soft question to ask, but are, are you shocked in, in the the level of punishment that's been aimed at Derby in terms of, well, essentially condemning them to relegation? Did you think that everything was going to change on the back of the Super League judgment? Or is this just another example of a football association who is able to get away with quite simply whatever it likes? Yeah, no, it's...
2: it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> I it's like a big it's like a giant corporation that um you know like they own let's just think about like a conglomerate and they own like 10 businesses and you know one of those businesses gets involved in some really shady shit you know yeah. what they do is they make sure that if if the company if it's one of their companies that's small enough and insignificant enough, that they try to localize the blame and localize the consequences right you know yeah. you just need to limit it to to these people and it's their fault and we're going to wash our hands of it or whatever um, because that's that is how blame and that is how responsibility ultimately manifests itself in um, you know, mafioso type setups, which is what the, you know, like this, this precious pyramid everyone is trying to save is so corrupt anyway, that I'm, you know, like I'm against the super league because I don't like, I don't like the idea of the bad guys winning, but I'm also thinking, but I also keep coming back to the idea, Mark, that like, the bad guys are winning anyway. <laughs> so I don't really like, like Darby, like making an example of Darby County, I mean, who who's that supposed to who's that supposed to teach a lesson to? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, because. Mm-hmm. Darby County did things that probably merit a, a punishment. I don't. I don't know enough about every aspect of their situation beyond the financial irregularities to be able irregularities to be able to say, oh, they deserve like a twenty one point deduction and and, and essentially a, a death sentence relegation is commensurate with with the particulars of what they did. Right. What mm-hmm. I do know is that. You know, only a handful of months ago, um, six of the six of the Premier League's twenty business partners conspired behind the backs of their other fourteen partners to essentially, you know, cripple them financially. To essentially, um, you know, rewrite the rules of competition, breached every rule of governance that they had all mutually agreed to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we all joke that they'd get a slap on the wrist. And yet I don't even think what they got was a slap on the wrist. So Mm -hmm. Darby County is punished because they're Darby County. (laughs) They can, Darby County is expendable. It's easy to make an example of Darby County because who's really going to care beyond their supporters. Um, They're, you know, Darby County does not, you know, for, for all of darby county's history and i know that they're not some you know new insignificant club I, I get that but you know they're in a lower league and and frankly they are they are easy to make an example out of because there will not be uh, you know these huge financial ramifications for the rest of the league Went, you know, in the same way that there would be if you really were to try to punish from a points perspective, yeah, a, a United or a, a a an Arsenal or a Spurs or what have you, uh, a Chelsea. Um, so, no, none of it surprises me because this is essentially how shady businesses and criminal organizations ultimately run and look i i i yeah. know that sometimes it sounds like hyperbole when i say it guys like I, I i am i am outsider guy i am outsider perspective guy on how the premier league runs i mean it runs inefficiently yes uh it runs poorly yes uh, but sometimes, uh, sometimes businesses, sometimes organizations, sometimes clubs run inefficiently or run poorly just because they don't know any better. The mm-hmm. difference with the Premier League is that they do know better, and it's just com- you know the, the entire business model is is so steeped in in a sinister quality that some that people have just sort of accepted that that this is the way it is. I, I have I have spoken to. To my my friends on Merseyside, Mark, who are as far left as left gets, they think Bernie Sanders should be the president <laughs> of the United States. They think that so you know the every you know the, you know the social, socialism is the solution. To everything and by the way, I don't disagree with them on a lot of the you know a lot of the pertinent issues they bring up. And yet, when you bring up the idea of creating a more equitable playing field in the sport that they all love they say whoa don't americanize my my sport this is how it this is tradition this is how it's always been it's so it's so funny how we how how we can be that way and conversely sports a lot of the best sports leagues over here are run in a very almost to to a T level playing you know not all of them but some of the best ones like the you know i always mention the nfl like it's run in a way where every team can only spend a certain amount of money and blah 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 and yet we live in the excess of capitalism here in the united states i mean yep. there's always these inconsistencies but the premier league like i we saw the other day I, I saw a news item was it this morning mark or the day before that the chairman of the premier league was stepping down do you know who the chairman of the premier league is do you know his name mark
3: um, I not, I don't not, know
2: either does, no <laughs> yeah no no one knows who he is exactly because he is as ineffectual and as much, and as meaningless a position that that has ever existed because he is there to just fill a, sleep, fill a seat like i mean there is you know there is no there is no chairman of the Premier League in any meaningful way. Um, the the per, you know the people who rule the Premier League are the owners of the of, of the six richest clubs in the Premier League, and that's that's kind of that's it. <laughs> Gary
3: Hoffman, uh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Rest in peace, Gary. See you at the crossroads, Gary. It's been, it's been, uh, it's
3: been lovely. So, I think the, um, um, just to touch on on something you said, Rob. There, I think the not not the frustration, but I think just the general disappointment with the, you know the Derby County ruling and and the fact that we obviously know that this will happen with countless other football clubs in the coming years because that's just quite simply, what the modern age does to some football teams, um, and in particular, the owners that run them. But I think the the major disappointment for me is just the fact that it's been met over here with, generally, I would probably say, malaise. I mean, people negatively comment about this on Twitter on an impulse when they first see the news, but On a big scale, we're not really that bothered by it. We've seen it all before. We knew that this was going to happen. We knew that this is how the league runs. This is how punishment is handed out to some. And this is how others are protected. And you kind of alluded to the fact that we've all been kind of beaten into this pulp that we no longer fight back about things which are clearly a sign right. of injustice well,
2: we'll protest for maybe a day or two at the grounds yeah and then that silence kind of is silence is the it.
3: ultimate win for these, for these corporations isn't it if, if they stay quiet about this for two to three weeks then i absolutely guarantee you that we'll all have either moved on to a new major breaking story all, we're all lost in the fact that club football is back, and that is all essentially why we're here. I'm rolling, and, and that's why
2: the Super League. That's why the Super League will be back, Mark. Because what they did was they got the they got the people's outrage out of the way. Now you know, yeah. Uh, of course, they they mishandled the whole thing from a PR perspective, but now they'll actually probably throw some money at the PR problem. Yeah. and they're going to come back out with something that is essentially the same plan. Maybe it includes a few more teams, but I mean, it's they're gonna. This is the way it's going, and so, you know, I, I think that ultimately we have to kind of grapple with the the notion that when you are fans of a, a an institutional, you know, thing like like football and and of clubs that that have such long histories and that will continue to go on even you know no matter the environment environment in some way you on the one hand feel like because of the history and because of your connection and your family's connection and your grand Parents and your great grandparents and all their connections to the club that you love, you feel like you have this ownership and this, you know, and really the other word that you're looking for there, but you never say, is that you have some semblance of control of, of of something. But I think that. This just further reinforces the fact that we this sport is so adrift Mm. uh, in a sea of greed that you you (laughs) anyone who thinks that they can stop this now I mean there is no stopping it. The only thing you can hope for is that when the day comes that you know your club and and in our case that Everton have some sort of path. To something that would still make some of us happy, but it's not going to be, I don't, I don't know. Like, what is a good outcome, Mark? Like, if they do Super League, I don't think Everton's going to be part of it. And look, we can't really argue based on the results of the last two decades. We deserve to be part of it. Um, You know, what, what's the best that we hope for? Is, Is it that there is a breakaway league? And then the English Premier League goes on in some other form that does not include those teams because what I believe is that they're going to create a super league and they're going to still play in the Premier League and it's just going to be another, you know, it's just gonna, it's just gonna be another level of humiliation. But I,
1: yeah. I
2: don't know, like I don't know what a good outcome for Everton is in all of this, but it's coming and it's not gonna, it's never it, the idea that this has gone away. I'm sure people realize now, like the Derby County thing, is symptomatic of a larger uh, problem and a larger disease. But that disease is is a symptom of of what is not only the problem today, but what's coming as well.
3: I think the the dangerous thing about this is the fact that it's the power, isn't it? It's the power of those clubs at the top, knowing that the catch twenty two situation for clubs like Everton, whereby from a moral point of view, we we want to be part of a league that excludes those teams who don't want to play through the governance of you know the, the collective that this Premier League has formed. And I think from that moral point, if those clubs want to go off and, and create a Super League, I think we, the, the, the other 14 teams all collectively say, well, off you go. We'll do it on our own. And then two weeks down the line, you'll look at your new product and it's a lot weaker value because it doesn't have those powerful teams in it and yeah. it, it it probably will ultimately um and as you say Rob this will come back and, and the timing of it will no doubt be perfect um but the the idea of having those teams in the Premier League at the same time whilst also competing in the Super League uh do you know what it, it, that that might not be appetizing for those teams because they'll probably want to focus on the most lucrative element of of the game but it will appeal to the other 14 teams because it will probably maintain the quality of of the league that they are part of and mm. it's it, it's a really difficult one for every other premier league team that happens to be in the league at that time isn't it because it's yeah. it's having it's having the bravery to split away knowing that the quality of the football might not be there, the nature of the sponsorship, the whole integrity in terms of the, the financial potential of the league will be massively reduced because heads will, will obviously be turned by companies towards a Super League, companies mm-hmm. that care not one jot about teams that aren't capable of making them the same the same level of money. And this isn't obviously just a problem in, in England where we are fortunate enough as part of the other 14 to be able to generate huge levels of income. I think if, if you take this away to, in particular, La Liga, I think that that's been the, the one European league that have been incredibly vocal as a league about the power that teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona hold. Quite frankly, Rob, mm-hmm. if you take Real Madrid and Barcelona away from that league, very yeah, few, very few of us watch that very few of us i mean you'll mm. you'll get occasional champion clashes between sevilla and atletico madrid and now and again there'll be great games but it's the the imagery behind some of these games that attracts you in as opposed to the actual football um mm. the, the, the name will will bring in viewers not not the fact that there's a potential great game of football going on but yeah, yeah. it's um it's probably one of those arguments that we obviously had six months ago for all the right reasons, um, but I think it, it, it lingers, doesn't it, in the back of the mind about the fact that this will this will never go away. Not only as a as a product and, a, and as a as a potential move into a new system and a new setup of football in this country, but it's 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 basically just the mindset of of the top six the clubs in in the country now, which is incredibly disappointing but Rob to to move on to incredibly important pressing matters um Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you this first before we we spoke about it off camera um is it too early to put your Christmas decorations up um I
2: I I think it is but that's not going to stop my wife from doing it this well
3: I I had you down we have not discussed this but I definitely had you down as a I, I, I suppose you guys don't have Bonfire Night over there. Okay, so Thanksgiving is out the way. No, 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 no. Thanksgiving uh, is
2: next Halloween, next your,
3: your, your major public holiday of Halloween is out the way. I, I guess post-Thanksgiving, is that when it all suddenly becomes acceptable?
2: Uh, post well. Increasingly, it's post Halloween. So, okay. you know, after after once the calendar turns to November, every store you go into is playing holiday music. A lot of the radio stations here have turned to that. You know, I even my like I have a weekly radio show uh, here on Saturday nights, and I only have to do, I think, a few more weeks of episodes before even our little alternative you know npr public station goes full christmas music oh, for about a month you no, yeah you know what it's honestly it's a nice break from having to, to, <laughs> to do uh, another one of my hobbies uh you know for a few weeks but yeah like i if you've ever worked in retail which i have um it is <laughs> There is something very soul crushing about being in a place like I used to work in a in a shopping mall here when I was in college for a few years. And hearing that same Christmas music like like I imagine that if and I and I wouldn't I don't own a gun, but let's just say I happened to have a gun and decided that I was going to have to go on a shooting spree or something. I imagined the soundtrack playing in my head would be a Mariah Carey Christmas song. Um, <laughs> if I, you know, cause all I want for Christmas is you is a plague upon this society in the same way that MAGA is. Uh, but you can't, there's just, just nothing you can do about it. Right. So, um People love, but you know. At the same time, Mark, like, what's the balance? That's the question to you. It's like I can say it's too early, but what's the balance between not? You don't want to be uh, Scrooge, right? You don't want to be Bah Humbug guy. Like, if people want to, really? if people want to get in the spirit and start, you know, feeling those feelings of of the holiday season a little early, and that takes them away from time that they would ordinarily spend just being horrible or whatever then maybe it's it's not the worst thing in the world but um like my wife is going full on this weekend and decorating our house you know, we do not decorate like um uh, and actually that's a question like over here a lot of people decorate uh the outside of their house with lights okay. you know yeah yeah do you guys put lights in your
3: houses yeah yeah we have electricity over here as well mate
2: yeah. no, no 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 but I know you have electricity uh, and some middling uh, high speed Internet. But what I was wondering was, is that a tradition like over here, sort of like for Halloween, people will go crazy with some of the decorations on the outside and then the fake snowmen. And if you've ever seen like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is in the top five of all important Christmas movies that have ever been made, then you understand that there is a weird cultural of, cu- culture of competition when it comes to the stuff like that like yeah. i am not someone who is as accident prone as me is not going to get up on a ladder risk is risk his neck uh to, to put up lights but you can hire people who will do it i'm just not willing i'm not quite there yet so are you
3: i guess you guys are the same as us over here where i think it's an unwritten law that every street or every block has to have a psychopath who's got so oh, sure thousand lights on the outside of the house yeah a blow-up snowman on the front lawn and some form of projector system on the side of the house uh,
2: don't forget animatronic yeah. uh, figures of some kind now here you've got the religious element too which is the manger like i live in the the what's called the referred to at times as the bible belt of the united states yeah so you have a lot of people who conflate their Santa uh, and reindeer stuff with like the manger and a nativity scene and all that, that stuff. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. Um, And if they are, if some of those figures are moving uh, some of them, and here was the craziest one I ever went and saw. So here there are certain neighborhoods that will you know kind of collectively as a neighborhood and i'm sure it's like a weird peer pressure in the neighborhood they will go all out every every home in the neighborhood so people will you know on a friday night they'll get their cup of hot cocoa or whatever and they'll get in their car and they will kind of drive slowly through the neighborhoods with their kids and or maybe not even with the kids but just you know go look at the lights right my wife works at the the zoo as i've said before the entire zoo is going to be is, is lit up right now with Christmas stuff everywhere, which probably freaks those animals out, but they're there, okay? But the craziest thing I ever saw, Mark, I was in Florida for Christmas once, which is its own weird, uniquely American Christmas experience is being in a place where people are complaining about the freezing cold uh, temperatures in the uh, high 60s, which is, you know, something that you guys would consider a heat wave over there. Um, There is this house that had so many lights and not only were they, did they have a ton of lights, they had those lights that, that were, that were in sequence, right? Like that they would, they would, uh, they look like the roof, the roof looked like it was animated. Does that make sense? Like there's moving lights and all that stuff. So what you do is you drive up to the house and it will tell you to put your, and I don't know, I don't understand all of the, Harvard MIT technology behind the scenes that makes this work. But you drive up to the house and there's a sign there while the, all the lights are going and it says tune your radio oh, yeah. to 91 yeah. point whatever. And it is playing christmas music that syncs with those lights okay and it's like Mannheim steamroller like the you know whatever that like heavy metal christmas you know uh oh. stick is or whatever but i mean they that is that is that is a bit man that is a commitment to your bit that you are going to have an audio and visual element to your 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 show off uh, Christmas decoration yeah. scene. Uh, it's incredible. It really is. But people people I'm go really, all
3: out. I really want to hate that, but I just admire the commitment it's... so much. That I can't. <laughs> like,
2: but that's the thing, dude. It's like I probably wouldn't want to meet those people. They'd probably be the worst. But yet, I do sort of admire that kind of effort like uh, you know this is Did kind you, of entertaining yep. and here i am i'm out here i'm tuning my radio to that station so i can hear it and look at it and be like wow ah, you know so this is you know can we
3: can we, weird. Can we get this going on your can we get this going on your rooftop as well, so that people can tune into your radio station and hear you being a sellout playing Mariah Carey on your <laughs> alternative?
2: Music. Yeah, I know, right?
3: Oh man! So I'm, not I... going, I'm not going to that. Knowing, knowing you are a man of music, I can't, I can't go any further without asking you what your absolute favorite Christmas songs are. Oh God, I don't know, man. I'm not really. You're, you're the fucker playing them down everyone's ears so no i'm what? not playing chris
2: i don't play christmas music on my show though you own it. No, you, you, see mark you have that bit where you just you you throw a, an accusation at me and don't let me answer and you just tell me to own it like i like like that's going to generate a response uh you know you know what my favorite christmas music sincerely is and this this is this is definitely a this is definitely kind of a kid, a kid related nostalgic thing, which that's what Christmas music generally is. But um, I was never into like all the carols um, and I was never really into a lot of like the church music, even though I used to have to go to a Christmas Eve service uh, every every year with my family growing yeah. up. My favorite Christmas music or the music that gets, that penetrates this you know, 42 year old guys, like thick, cynical exterior to this day is still the Nutcracker, believe it or not. Like the Nutcracker, like I go to the Nutcracker with my wife to see the Oklahoma City Ballet do it. The music, it still gets to me. I don't know why. I think that there's, there's so few things about Christmas that feel magical as you get older. And it's like the last it's like the last hint of it that's still left, um, for me. Uh, and that's my favorite Christmas music. I don't, in terms of like pop songs or whatever, they're all so overplayed, man, that it's just hard to get into any of them. Like my wife thinks that, is it Paul McCartney, uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas night. Which one is that? Is that Paul McCartney or is that the
3: Beatles? I can't remember. Don't be asking me about Christmas songs. I'll say
1: you're
2: from me, the most Liverpool, most Mark. You should know this. It's a, oh. it's a, it's a local. It's local music. Come on. Anyway, my point is is that that song that song robs her of her life force like no other Christmas song does, and yet she can hear that Mariah Carey one a hundred times, and it and it just it never phases her. So, um, for no, now Mark, I'm gonna put this on you. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Because to me, the Christmas movie Ooh. tells tells more about yourself. Than yeah. anything else, or the, the 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 top two or three, and boy, see, we're asking the question: Is it too early to decorate? And here we are talking about Christmas movies and Christmas music, and it's not even—it's still November. Do
3: you know, what I, the funny thing about Christmas films is that I think so, so many topics around Christmas, and and one that we've just had in terms of best Christmas songs, they are matters of opinion, and there's no wrong answers. Um, but no, Christmas films, answer. Rob, there's two. There's two very correct answers with what are the best Christmas films. Uh, one right. of them is The Muppet's Christmas Carol. Um, okay. and The second one is Love Actually. And you know what? It, it hurts me. <laughs> it hurts me not to say it, but Love it just actually. is. Love Actually. I got dragged to the Liverpool Phil- Philharmonic Hall a few years ago um, with Harriet. Because we went to see the film, you know, with a kind of like the orchestra on stage, and and they do all the music for it, and it was absolutely amazing. And um, the most disappointing element of the night is that I actually thought the film was great, um, because I was I was very much going to to watch the orchestra and yeah. you know, be be incredibly cultural in terms of taking the musical side of it in, as yeah. opposed to watching the actual film, but. Yeah, I, I I find myself disappointingly glancing up at Hugh Grant one too many times because man has one role to play, but my God, he does it well. Uh, yeah, so it, it's it's the undisputed king of Christmas films. Let let me tell you that when it comes to love, so here's the thing about Love
2: Actually. See, a there's a lot of people that hate on Love Actually, and I'm I'm not going to go as far as to say I hate it because. Love Actually is sort of like one of those pop songs that you heard when you were younger that was really good, and then it was everywhere, and then you couldn't escape it, and it got played so many times that eventually you came to hate it, you know? I mean, and that's, I think that's how a lot of people feel. Now, the thing about Love Actually is this, is that if you've never seen it, or you've only seen it like once, uh, it, it, it it is an entertaining movie. Now, it's an entertaining movie that makes no sense whatsoever. It has no discernible plots. Uh, there there are all these kind of things, ha- you know, storylines going on at the same time. And all these people are connected by nothing more than the fact that apparently all their kids go to the same school and are going to be in the same Christmas pageant at the end of the movie. Uh, and somehow, uh, Hugh Grant is the prime minister, which is scary on many levels because he's probably Tory as fuck. <laughs> but I, I, I am like... That movie has so many, like, needlessly okay. So, for instance, Mark, am I supposed to root for the guy trying to steal his best friend's wife out from under him
1: just because
2: <laughs> he's got the uh, you know, got the uh, the the in excess uh, bit going where he's got the the words on the cardboard and he's tossing them and he's just saying, like. And by the way, that's Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead, uh, which is uh,
3: really funny. Um, I I, I need to point out at this point that it's fine for it not to make sense when the the, the whole nature of the film is that it celebrates a time where a baby was born to to immaculate conception, which prompted the reset of time and the calendar itself. So let it it be a bit weird, is my point there. (laughs) I just...
2: Look, I, I'm coming to stay with you next month and when I fall in love with your Real wife, life. don't get mad. <laughs> it's just one of those weird things that happens at Christmas time, Mark, where I try to steal my, my best friend's wife. I mean what you know, what could be wrong with that?
3: If you start genning up on love actually and swoop her away from me, then Joe, I'll <laughs> have nothing I'll have nothing but pride in you. She's
2: she's, she's just gonna tell you that I couldn't. It was his. It was his accent. I just love that accent so much. Which is oddly enough what my wife would say when she eventually leaves me for an Englishman. So I gotta
3: imagine you just like marching in trying to impress her with the Nutcracker on Spotify in the background.
2: Yeah. There you go. Oh god. <laughs> that that whole that whole sequence is is and then the weird one where the woman. Okay, so there's the one American in the film, and I'm blanking on all the names now of the of the actors. Um, but basically, here I need to I'm going to pull it up on IMDb because this is the magic of podcasting for you all. I'm going to pull this up uh, right now. So, because um, she is in. Oh God, she's an Ozark that that show on Netflix that everyone goes ape shit. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, Laura okay, Linney, yeah. Laura, the great Laura Linney. Thank you. So yeah. she's the one American in this thing, and her story is that she's really in love with this hot guy at work who also is very shy, despite how beautiful and you know ab centric he is uh, in the ab area of his of his uh, of his torso. Um, he is yet somehow they they finally kind of get together. And, you know, like, when you've got 10 other stories going on at once, it would would have been nice to just say, you know what, let's give this poor, sad woman a a nice happy ending where she gets the bang of her life from her dreamboat hunk at, at work, right? Instead, they throw in this, like, mentally ill brother who just ruins everything for her and just kills their romance and Merry Christmas. Like, what the fuck, man? Why is that? Why is that a good thing? Like, like, it's so, it's so macabre. It's so like, it's so sad. And then not to mention that you have, um,
1: you um, know,
2: you, you, you have what for me is the real coup de gras of the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Which is um, Alan Rickman, the great, late, great Alan yeah. Rickman, who is in what is truly the greatest Christmas movie ever, Die Hard, which is the most important film in American history. And we will do an episode on why. Christmas film is too limiting for Die Hard. Die Hard is the greatest film in American history. But Alan Rickman is... is Basically, like the story there is that he is he is guy cheating on his wife with the hot young 20 something at work who's throwing himself. at her. Why is all the why is infidelity such a huge part of a Christmas movie? Yeah. I get it. I get it when it's like happening in one storyline, but it happened in like three storylines. You know, you have the one guy's wife left. You know, she, he walked in. He walked in on his own brother banging his wife. That's one story. Then you got Alan Rickman doing it. I, I, I'm just there's, there's two. It's just too much. And then, and then let's throw in a mom who dies of cancer angle, angle, you know, too. And then the little kid has to learn how to play the drums to impress a girl he's never talked to in his life, and run after her at Heathrow Airport, even though he's literally never said a word to her before. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's nonsensical. That entire fucking movie is nonsense. And now I'm hating it all over again. But yet. All of that bizarre shit is a tapestry of something that you end up being sucked into watching. What I would say to people, though, is if you're going to get into Love Actually, my counter counter to Love Actually is The Holiday. The Holiday is
3: a way better movie. Yeah, but God, she overacts so much. Who? Cameron Diaz, obviously. Cameron Diaz. Well, okay, fine. She overacts a little bit, but my God, at least there's...
2: Only two storylines that that you have to follow this whole time. I mean, it's it's just
3: it's interject really quickly and say this is the weirdest thing that we've ever done, but carry on. Dude, I could do a whole pod dissecting all of these movies and
2: why they're they're both great and terrible. But like I feel like any quote overacting by Cameron Diaz is balanced out by Kate Winslet and how great she just is and everything she does. But I think the real trick here is that you've got two perennial overactors in Jude Law and Jack Black, who overact in almost everything else they're in, and yet they're both very charming. They're charming as fuck, and they're restrained in this movie. And you've got the late Eli Wallach, who's in this, is the old Hollywood legend guy, and and, and it's and and of course this is a movie directed by Nancy Myers. And if you don't know who Nancy Myers is, she's just like American writer and director who has made a ton of movies that, um, you know, have been popular over here, like It's Complicated and Father of the Bride and, uh, you know, The Holiday and Something's Gotta Give and, you know, those kinds of movies. But the the the, the underlying thing about all her movies is that everyone's rich beyond, you know, their, their wildest dream. Everyone has money, you know. Everyone can, like, I don't yeah. know, go on a website three days before Christmas and be like... I'm going to go switch from Surrey, England to to LA and it's, it's, it's it's ridiculous, but you don't have to worry about, about money and stuff like that. But I say the holiday is better, but love actually, I think if you're listening to this right now and you would like to come and argue your point on love actually with Mark and I, I would, <laughs> I would love to have another pod where we do that. So, okay, Mark, I want to get to this because um, the, you know, a a blue room family member of ours, the great Kate Riley James got my attention on Twitter today. Hi, Kate. Kate, how I hope you're doing well. Kate uh, is no longer able to come on the blue on to the blue room and really on to kick about, especially because of how vulgar we are about, you know, our favorite movies and, and other such subjects. Uh, because she's got a new job and she still not have time. That's totally fine. I love her, I love her anyway. Um, but she was on Twitter and she had some, there were some things she posted today, um, that got my attention because, uh, it said, she said she posted some meme and it said, um, it was like Mary Kate or Ashley Olson. It was like a full house meme of a little girl eating all this spaghetti. Okay. And she, her tweet was, my name is Kate Riley James and I just ate spag bowl without splashing it on my white shirt. (laughs) Top adulting. Hashtag Wednesday vibe, which there's, I don't want to dissect all the things wrong with that tweet, but spag bowl, spag bowl was spelled S-P-A-G and then I don't think she meant to capitalize bowl, but she spelled bowl capital B-O-L. Not b o w l like you're thinking like a bowl of spaghetti, whatever. So, I no. of course inquired as to what the fuck is a spag bowl? Is this a common? And she said, and she says very matter of factly, "Oh, spaghetti bolognese." Okay, okay. So you are you, you people, Mark, and and now here I'm gonna I'm gonna Mark Mosey you to, to death right now. Own it. Own it, you people who abuse the English language for reasons that I don't understand to shorten things like spag bowl. Why spag bowl? Mark, is that a common? Is that really a common way of saying spaghetti bolognese?
3: is Spag bowl. I think. I, <laughs> first of all, I think I speak for the world by saying that you saying spag bowl is probably my favorite thing in the world. Both I said spag, as spag in bowl. It's not a generic bowl of spaghetti. It's bolognese spag Ball, not bowl. You absolute pot. Uh, but yes, the, the, this this kind of materialised. If, if people are wondering what sort of prep we do for these shows, oh, we do. I think we, we kind of we kind of went down the uh, the avenue in the last couple of hours of looking at other scouse slang terms that robbers. You you've probably heard some. I think it's 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 fair game now for you to hear us call something sound or right. someone blathered in town. You know there, there there will be some things that that you are very much accustomed to. But well, Mark, let me let me further say well, that
2: being in WhatsApp chats with you guys, yeah. I think it, it when they say sometimes that the best way to learn a foreign language is immersion. They're they're absolutely right because. I can somehow, I can understand what you you people are saying. You you crude, uneducated, uh, semi English speakers are saying with some of these Scouse words. Awesome. But I couldn't speak it myself. You know what I mean? Like I hear Spanish, uh, and I can understand most Spanish, but my ability to regurgitate it is not as good as I'd like it to be. I don't even attempt to try to speak in Scout's turn. I think the closest I come to that is calling something boss, but even that is something that we do over here a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But there, the words, some of the words are incredible. Like the fact that that Spag Bolt, I still think Spag Bolt is just total bullshit. I'm sorry, Spag Bolt is just. Just say, just say, spaghetti bolognese. Like, what's what, so? What are you saving time with there? It's ridiculous. But spark bowl, a bowl of Spock. But it did give me an idea that you know, because Mark has teased me several times that he'd like me to come on this pod and just be forced to recite certain words for his amusement. But I thought oh, yeah. that. I thought Mark should quiz me on some of the Scouse words and see if I know what they mean. Now, the only stipulation here, Mark, is I might ask you to spell them out for me, Uh, but I I have to try to use it in a sentence, uh, and I have no idea how this will go.
3: So, I I should say that I'm sure there are more of these, but... I am currently looking at a, a supposed list of forty-seven words. Um, we might not get through all these. No, no, that's fine. You know, there's, there's things that you'll recognise, like, you know, we've mentioned sound. Um, wool is probably something that you've heard a million times, but I don't know the, the definition of wool. Rob, it, it varies over here as well. So, what what do you My- know? It-
2: the context I always hear wool in and I remember years ago being asked what wool was on this pod and not I was just totally guessing I had no idea what I was talking about but a wool is some is a, a phrase used for someone who lives outside the city, usually, um, usually someone who lives on the yeah. world am I am I on somewhat on, on track there.
3: That's how I, I would interpret this. Is any anyone in the surrounding areas of Liverpool? So the Wirral, yes, is included. Um, okay. yeah. Matt Jones is a, is a recent wall as well. He's he's living out in the sticks, out towards sort of like anywhere by Southport, Saint Helens. Um, just to reiterate, Matt Jones is still a wall. Um, so yeah, I would say any, anywhere in those areas around Liverpool is is fair game. Sometimes we will get some form of kind of generic map that will appear on Twitter and it differentiates between plastic scousers, wools, you know, all, all different variations <laughs> that we try and do. Generally speaking, anyone, anyone sort of bordering Liverpool but not Liverpool. But wool is
2: not generally considered a complimentary term from the way I've always heard it used.
3: <laughs> no. Got the, the plenty, plenty on the show, Rob, and you'll have seen it in WhatsApp, who, you know, very much nail their colors to the mast in terms of, in terms of wool pride and, and, and being part of the world. So, yeah. I mean, Paddy,
2: like the, Paddy likes to throw the word wool around as, as a, as a negative to you people all the time. I don't know how you, why yeah, you let him do it. There isn't,
3: there isn't many like Paddy where he, Paddy's from South Liverpool, you know, grew up, grew up in Liverpool, but he, he's the most obvious wannabe wool, That it's, right. it's no, quite, no. it's actually quite painful. Um, we we speak, I'm, I'm sure we'll go to to the world plenty of times when you're over, Rob, but there's a um, there's a town in, in the world called Heswell, which is absolutely made for Paddy Boyland, because it's just the, you know, people who think they're kind of more culturally refined, um, just, right. you, you know that, I'm going to say it, you know, the Tory element that Paddy Boyland oozes, it would fit him like a glove, and the the extent to which he will go to try and convince others that he actually likes Liverpool and doesn't want to live on the Wirral is quite simply admirable. But to go through some of these right. other ones, Rob. Um, okay. What a bifter!
2: A bifter. A bit. Now, first of all, I have to pr- I have to pronounce each of these words, which is its own yeah. comedy. <laughs> <you know>. yeah. <laughs> a Yeah. B- is it a bit did you say bifta or bifter or is it? Okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh wait, wait a Bifter wait wait is it a is that a cigarette? Is that a cigarette? There we go.
3: Yes, yes. It is. I
2: thought I, I thought that might be it because cool. The on, only two English words I know for cigarette are that one and the F word, which I still feel yeah. uncomfortable using, even though I know it's not technically a bad word. But when you're a yes. kid here, you're like, the English call it, you know, and I'm just not going to do that. But yeah, lifter. all right, cool. That's two for two. Yeah, okay. I have two so, for two already. I'm basically I'm basically a, an honorary wool at this point.
3: Don't, don't think you know this one. Uh, Trabs. T-R-A-B-S. Trabs.
2: <laughs> those like see and this is where it gets into like multiple layers because i'm like are those like pants or trousers no go on is it clothing no, awesome. of some kind? it's clothing i know that it's clothing uh well i've already guessed i'm wrong but I'm, are they shoes <laughs> shoes yeah train.
3: yeah yeah trap okay.
2: yeah. well, trap what the f- okay i yeah the- okay I mean, I I don't I didn't really know that one. I
3: had to sort of guess a few times, but I knew it was clothing of some kind. Uh, busy's B I double Z I E S,
2: Busy's like a, <laughs> uh, like a like a busybody should, type or a nervous
1: I type, type or something. The,
2: the <laughs> I <website> don't know. <laughs> a busy, I don't know.
3: I'm gonna try and use busy in a sentence. Uh, So the the example sentence that I'm reading here is, you've seen all the busies outside the office," And quite honestly, I can't think of anything that would blow your mind more than that sentence.
2: What the fuck is this language? Busy. I don't know what a busy is. No.
3: What is a busy? Busies is a slang term for the police.
2: There you go. Okay. Okay.
3: Busy. Busy is a police officer. Okay. No, fuck. I don't know. I'm scrolling through these to try and find the best one for you to pronounce. Okay, if 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 someone was gagging in, what does that mean?
2: wait, gagging, (laughs) gagging in.
3: I feel like I'm gonna have to fucking WhatsApp these. Is gagging spelled?
2: Is it spelled like? Okay, Mark, is it spelled
3: G G E -G G G? So G E double G I N G. If you were gagging in gagging. on something,
2: um, gagging in like <laughs> gathering—is it? it like gathering, like
3: gathering for something? No, you're thinking of. Oh, I was going to use that one as well, but no, gagging in would be like being nosy. Uh, so if you were gagging <laughs> in on someone else's conversation, <laughs> 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 okay, <laughs> oh. all right, all right. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, no, that's a bit easy. You might get that one. That's not funny. Um, god, we're a weird bunch 47 mad things. No, I'm gonna know
2: some of them, I'm sure. That's okay, but
3: <laughs> uh, so you mentioned trials as before that would be kex kex, yeah, because people say he's had
2: his kex down there or something like yep. that, like when yep. we've, um, which is a way of saying that you like they, they've been. You've been uh, you've been uh, in, like not embarrassed, but like um, you've been caught you've been caught out basically or whatever. Like Michael Keane had his text down again uh, in the game yeah. against City. Exactly. <laughs> but,
3: but what about if Michael Keane had a carbon? Had a, a carb <laughs> carbon? A okay. carbon? Oh, yeah. We're going back to Spagbolia. Jesus Christ! How do you how do you spell it? C C O B space O M a cob on a cob on <laughs> a cob on like it almost sounds like an erection. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Ma- Michael Keane had his kex pulled down, so he's got a cob on. I don't so,
2: know what a cob on it. whats it is. What is it? What is a co- cob on? What is that?
3: I- if you had a on, you kind of you'd be in a mood. You'd be angry about something.
2: You would, you would not a have a erection. A carbon means you're angry about something. You can have an angry <laughs> erection, I imagine. You can call that a on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh Jesus! My this is, is the wor- this is either the best episode we've ever done, Mark, or the worst fucking episode we've ever
3: done. <laughs> I have no idea. What is an episode? Jesus Christ! Um. Okay, so. If, so, if, if someone wouldn't give you a biff, that rob um you might have a cob on <laughs> and you might tell them to stop being an arl ass
2: okay i know what that means like an arl arla,
3: arl arla, yeah. arl 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 is it arl ass or arl arse well i think arl arse is probably the the most scouse way of of saying Hey, okay, nice.
2: something—it's say, like grumpy. Arl, arl means yeah. like like grumpy something, and then the Arl fella is is your dad. Is I think your dad, right? Like, yeah, my yeah. Arl, arl like, fella is Arl is your dad.
3: yeah. Being our last is being being harsh or being cruel about something. We might okay. also say you being. Uh, I, I assume that's not something you say over there, but. If, if you're being tight, you're being, you're being cruel about something. Tight, tight a, here.
2: tight. The word tight here denotes a few things, but I think the main one is that you're cheap somehow.
3: Um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so if someone was a blurt? <laughs> okay, blurt I've
2: heard before, but I do not know what a blurt. A blurt it's B-L-E-R-T,
3: so I right. know the spelling, a blurt. Like an idiot, like a it's yeah. But on yeah, I imagine in, in most okay. of the WhatsApp groups that you're in, mates, people get called blurts all the time. Sure yeah,
2: just called a blurt online many times.
3: Usually <laughs> <laughs> a bit of an idiot. Oh, you've never known what it means, until now, but yeah, you've just found out that everyone thinks you're an idiot. There you go. Um Bevy is definitely one of the most common ones. Going for a bevy, which obviously is, is probably oh, not yeah. used over there. you You'll appreciate it. Yeah, going going um, for a beverage. Yeah,
2: that that I know because that's the first and last thing we do every time I come over to visit.
3: <laughs> yeah, and everything in between, I would guess. Yeah. Um, okay. What about you, grid? What what what's a grid?
2: A grid. Wait, yeah. spell it. Spell it for me. G R I D. Well, I know what a grid. Like I think of a grid as like a you know. Something map map related, <laughs> uh, like or like a power grid or something like that, which is you know how you know electricity is sorted logistically or whatever.
3: No, I don't know what a grid is. So if I would say when I, when I said that word to you, your grid was a picture. So <laughs> the the lock on the lock on someone's grid would be their face.
2: Oh, grit is face. <laughs> See, we, the closest thing we have that is referring to someone's face as their grill, G-R-I-L-L. Yeah, okay, okay. Or their, <laughs> mouth, their grill could be their mouth too, I guess.
3: Yeah, okay. And then I suppose the other one that you've probably heard is, um, is right. So. Yeah, okay. I hear is right a lot.
2: Uh <sighs> See, it's one of those things where if people are, it's in the natural flow of conversation, it just kind of rolls off my back. Yeah, right?
3: yeah.
2: It's not telling someone, uh, it's not like saying that they're correct about something. It's saying, uh, it's almost like a greeting, isn't it? It's like, is, or no. no so you're, so you're thinking
3: right. like, all right. We, we say, all right, to say hello. Oh, uh, okay. It is right to be um, kind of like, saying that you're happy with something i guess so if someone said okay. oh i'll go and get the bevvies in or richarlison's just put us one there up, he's always like, oh, right get in there okay yeah Essentially. <laughs> so all, all i want from you when we win a pathetically dull game on the second of january against brighton when right. Cheng to someone in the back of the gladder street Ooh, i would love is- that i'd love <laughs> that <laughs> I'll be like is right. Uh, Ching, Rob, Ching we, is right we are definitely doing more of this i think next week's gonna be is it a Wirral place name or is it made up so uh, oh see now that would be fun that would be fun just i uh, i am you know
2: i know less about um i know less about the geography over there than i do about football and that's really saying something uh because uh, that's the thing and maybe that's one of my objectives too is This is going to be my one, two, three. This is going to be my fourth trip over, Mark. Okay, I feel like I have got to, by the time I leave, have a better sense now that because this time I'm staying for part of the trip over uh, over on in wool territory with you. Right. So I feel like I need to step up my game and, and get a better grasp of the geography, and maybe someone could explain to me how your mailing addresses work. I don't really understand your codes and your, you know, like how to get to. Like, I don't understand how your, your postal code slash address system over yeah. there works. It's very confusing to me. The phone number thing I've just now gotten to understand. I kind of get it, you know, with the country code thing or what have you. But then the, but, but, but the addresses, I'm still just like, I don't know how anyone finds that place with this, this amount of information, but you yeah. know, it's amazing.
3: But, yeah we were um we were kind of brainstorming we're all outtons yeah they weren't we and les Roberts on the the blue room whatsapp thread suggested that um the four three seven bus ride pub crawl was was definitely on the cards and as much as that will mean nothing to you rob the the four three seven bus <laughs> ride is synonymous with with wolves far and wide so yeah i think that's that's definitely on the cards, but I, uh, I just I can't I just can't still picture you strutting around Birkenhead, walking into random boozers, shouting "Is right, Chentoson, people!" I'm always my new year.
2: Whenever I go, <laughs> so whenever I'm there, and I go into a pub and I order a drink, I'm always. I'm always waiting for the quizzical look on the face of the person serving me a beer when they hear my request for a beer, because I'm just like, okay, what is this guy doing here? (laughs) And what is like, that is the one thing I feel very like I being in Liverpool is a very interesting thing, because on the one hand, I feel like a fish out of water. And on the other hand, I, I still feel very much at home because I have, a, I have a lot of friends there now and everyone's super, you know, for the most part, super nice. I really haven't dealt with anyone being a dick to me while I've been over and long may that continue. But I also realized that like basic things about like, Mark, this is, I know that like Goodison is an L4, but I don't really know what L4 is. I don't really know what L4 totally means. Like I know that that kind of designates a specific geographical code or a yeah. you know what is that l4 like if i was mailing a letter to someone who lived there would l4 be somewhere in that address
3: somewhere so that's that's so goodison parks postcode is l4 4el so the, okay. the, the start of someone's fucking hell, this is weird the this start is great <laughs> is so l liverpool and l is, is split up into into sort of however many regions so every everyone in that surrounding area of goodison park is in l4 okay. and if you go you know a couple of miles up the road you'll hit a different l number postcode uh, Whereas, where is there an the l Whirl-
2: okay is, is there an l4 in london or in leicester
3: I'm, I'm pretty confident that they that there's no crossovers in the uk between any mm. cities in terms of letter um so for exa- in in London, for example, so South West London, so Chelsea's ground, I assume, has an SW postcode or a W postcode. Um, so that I don't think there's any crossover, as far as I'm aware, in okay. terms of in terms of cities. Um, and they're we just all use numbers
2: of- here, so we just have a zip code and that's it. You know, like oh, you know.
3: a zip code just a number.
2: Yeah, like I live in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and my my zip code is 73104 that is the that's what denotes the area that i am in
3: Um, do your your neighbors all have very similar zip codes they all have the same zip code
2: yes if you're my neighbors all have 7314 but if i drive a few like about a mile west of here it might be 73103 or 73110 i don't how look how the How the scientists came up with this bit i don't know these are these are things for the government to worry about but i feel like between the scouse words mark and uh asking you know elementary level questions about your postal codes uh i feel like i'm preparing for a citizenship test or something like that that i may have to you know a quiz or something that i may have to pass at some point uh so Um, if we end up doing you know if we end up, uh, and Mark and I have been kind of behind the scenes working, we're trying to get an event together where we record yeah. Kickabout, uh, you know, out live uh, while I'm over for people who for whatever reason have a sad enough life that they'd want to come watch us talk for, you know, an hour and a half or whatever. But These are the kinds of questions that you, that, that, uh, I will probably ask you, uh, you can come up and ask me whatever, but, uh, I, I, any, in exchange for some weird, random knowledge about America, I am, I am going to probably ask you something about how like mailing addresses work or, uh, how, like, how do you pay like how much do things really cost there uh, in terms of uh, your bills every month? Uh, How does that work? I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a completely different, uh, different country bonded by a language that I used to think was the same, but I'm learning more and more every day is completely, completely different. So um, (laughs) yeah, anyway, well, shit, Mark, I'm, 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 I'm out, man. I don't know if you have other stuff like Uh, look international break. This is, so either the international break as we talked about at the beginning is the worst thing ever or it's the best thing ever because it
3: produced the most well
2: one of the most kickabout episodes of kickabout it's as kickabout as kickabout gets mark is, is Absolutely
3: there was there was an Everton topic that we were going to go on to but do yeah. you know, it was that good I, I we we spoke about it during the afternoon today Rob but it was it was that good that I think we do need to keep it for a, a, an hour long special because I think some of the even even though it was only a sentence in which you raised it, I think the the point that you raised and the the kind of tangents that I went off on mentally when when you said this, <laughs> it was a, it was a really really interesting one, and it's very much deserving of an international break. But with yeah. it being so ever related, I couldn't really find a place for it on this week's pod. Yeah, to to topple love actually or a bowl of spag. No, a bull
2: sp- spag bowl. Bull. Spag bowl's got to be the name of this episode. I'm assuming, oh, right? God. And what's funny is when I say spag bowl, it not, almost sounds know. like a sporting event here in the United States. You know, like oh yeah, you know, I went to I went to the Orange Bowl or the Spag Bowl or whatever. You know, like to see. My two favorite teams play each other.
3: It's, uh, you know, <laughs> Spike Bowl will have to be the title of this episode because I don't think that Matt Jones is going to let angry erection pass him. So <laughs>
1: unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately I didn't say I, said, I, I only said
2: a erection could be angry, but that was what Cobb, what was that again? Cobb, Cobb, Cob, Cobb, on? <laughs> Cobb. Cob yeah. is because I keep it almost sounds like you are saying car bomb, but it's cob on. <laughs> I still don't know that I can use cob. Like he's got a
3: cob on, he's angry.
2: Why don't you say angry? He's pissed.
3: We're, there is so many, so many that I, I need to watch you use in live conversation when you are over. Hey, um, as Mark has always said, we are
2: willing to take any and all. Um, gifts um oh yeah money free drinks what have you uh you can come up to me if you see me while i'm in town and you know it's me for some reason which is weird i'm i'm i fit it i'm very i'm very easy to miss trust me i'm just i'm just another bald guy walking down the streets of the uk but if you, um, if you see me and you want me to, if you have a word that you would like me to pronounce, uh, for your own amusement, I'm um, am willing to do that for, uh, you know, for, for, you know, in exchange for something we can agree agree to something for sure. But, uh, but yeah, please Mark-
3: a, please a approach Rob with a carbon because it could get, it could get really weird.
2: See every time you say that, I feel like someone's coming at me with a, an angry erection, dude. Like that's really intimidating. Now a cob Maybe
3: on in particular.
2: a cob on. I don't know. It just sounds because it's like cob. The only the only frame of reference for the word cob I have over here is like corn on the cob. Have you ever? Do you guys call corn on the cob? Corn on the cob. Yeah, you- we have we have corn on the cob, but I don't think of
3: erections every time <laughs> I eat it.
2: Well, it's just because it's phallic or whatever. But when you said a cob on. It almost sounds like a like like a hard on or something. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird it's a weird phrase. I just I am someone sat down you know hundreds thousands of years ago in your part of the world and came up with this glossary that just is incredible really it really language is incredible we're all, we're all very thankful for it right now <laughs> well guys uh, man we're going to end uh, an hour and 15 in. see Matt's going to think something went wrong but you know we actually did a relatively short episode today um, just that normal reminders guys uh, whether you like it or not uh, against against your will in all likelihood everton is back this weekend uh, they're playing city at uh two o'clock on sunday eight uh, 8 a.m central time here in the united states for those of you who are masochists like me and will maybe get i don't know sunday morning i might not get up for that one it's city like i might i'll probably wake up mark just to see the team news um and see like you know I, like see if Yari Mina's back or something like that but i'm probably i don't know i I'll, you know what i'll do i'll do the thing where i don't watch the first half mark and i'll check the score and if if we're level or if we're up by one or something like that then okay i'll watch or whatever but that's pretty early but we will have post match as you can tell i'm a hardcore everton fan so uh we are going to have post match of course um we've got the usual blue room content all all this week I'm sure there's a subscribers weekly that will be out today. Uh, today, today is Wednesday when we're recording this, but this will probably come out Thursday, and then uh, and then Matt won't tweet about it until Friday. You know the usual. <laughs> um, and then um, and then of course we will have uh, post match and uh, you know the Monday show and all the all the normal accoutrement that comes with. Uh, the Blue Room. So for Mark mosey I'm Rob Vera. This uh, adventure and adventure through uh, Scoustum, uh has been a lot of fun, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Dear gas prices,
0: go take a hike. Toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years. The Toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style. Not to mention top tech to help keep you connected. Plush, premium interiors, and the most advanced Toyota safety features. So, now you know who you're talking to. Toyota, the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years, with a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, deer gas prices? Do you really think you could stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.
1: Based on manufacturer estimates, CY2000 through 2021 sales.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty.